Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today with three special guests three repeat guests. It's actually our first time doing an episode where we invite the same three guests back on for round two. Uh, Michael Galpert, Greg Eisenberg, Donnie Dinch. This is State and uh, Future of Consumer Social round two as welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing us back. Let's do this. Yes. So we, we spoke about a year ago, maybe a year and a few months ago about the state of consumer social. We talked about how to compete with Facebook in a world where Facebook continues to copy. I think they just... Uh, launched a bonfire to to copy a house party. We talked about private messaging. We talked about trends in consumer social at the time. You know, Greg, you were running Islands. Donnie, you were working on a consumer social product called Riff. And and Michael, this was pre, yeah, definitely pre. At the time, I was working on a product called Drops. Yes. And around sharing information, find, and then Fortnite happened. Yes. That kind of took Fortnite took over our app, so we doubled down on Fortnite. Yeah. I can talk about that more, but yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So what's changed in the last year? And first we can go micro and then go out macro. So maybe we can start with you, uh, Michael, in terms of where were you in your journey? and what Sure. You so um, at the time I was talking about we're building a thing called Drops to allow people to share content they come across. And somehow it got picked up amongst Fortnite kids, like kind of like everything. Uh, in 2018, Fortnite kind of scorched the earth. So people were using our app to share Fortnite clips and other stuff and plan games. So we ended up double downing on that and we built out a way for people to have like leaderboards and groups and compare stats amongst their friends. And then we launched an app called GameUp, which was voice chat on mobile, uh, like a mobile first voice chat for people to play video games. So we had three or four iterations of that. But then towards the end of this year, we decided kind of to stop working on it just because the numbers that we were looking for weren't there. We had uh, weekly active users and we were kind of looking for daily active users. At least personally, that's what I think uh, consumer social requires. Uh, other people have different opinions on it, different products. I think the state of the union is right now is that it's hard to monetize weekly active users as opposed to do or create habits for that matter. So yeah, so now it's kind of like new year, new you kind of situation. I don't know what 2019 is going to bring, what I'm going to be working on, but we'll see. Do you think it might be in consumer social or do you think it would be like to be uh, outside of that? I don't know. I think I'm driven by like enabling people using technology and helping people connect. So time will tell if that's in consumer or if that's enterprise. I don't know. Yeah, Cool. Donnie, so you were working with Riff with the original idea of wanting to do something via video, right? Yep. Say more about that. You know, we started our company in a similar kind of fashion as uh, Galpert, where it was kind of a labs company. We had a few different theses around consumer social, and uh, we knew that we video was a, was going to be an important medium moving forward, and we wanted to have we wanted to utilize that for better, more authentic communication for young people. And uh, so we looked at sort of the story mechanic that we've seen that it's been primarily used as a broadcast medium. And we thought that'd be an interesting use case for a communication medium, like almost like a messenger. So we put some time on that. I think that we had just, last time we talked, was actually right on the brink of when we started winding it down. A couple reasons for that. Primarily, the incredible growth of Instagram 
like just it was almost I don't say it was story fatigue, but that's just everything just happened there. And it's funny when we started that project, you know, Instagram had not yet launched stories. And even when they did, it's like, oh, I'm not gonna be afraid of like the big bad Instagram. They just fucked everybody up. <laughs> like, like everybody. But at that time, um, the team had, uh, you know, it's a team that I'd worked for and worked with in a previous company, still excited to work together. And so we kind of threw some new ideas at the wall. Um, and some of them were uh, consumer ideas, but they were kind of around uh, enabling new experiences that like a blockchain or crypto right. in, uh, allows. And, you know, we prototyped a few fun ideas, uh, a little bit like a Venmo app. And then what we recognize is these are all incredibly hard to use. You know, after spending the past, the previous, you know, four or five months on acquisition strategies for a pretty simple app to sign up for <laughs> with just a button, we knew that the like existing hurdles for getting anyone to take advantage of these kind of new cool features that blockchain enables right. were just astronomical. And so we actually recognized an opportunity uh, and we spent some time and, you know, started what we have now called Bitsky. And it's an idea that providing a basically the tools needed to catalyze mainstream adoption for blockchain type products. And so, um, we actually have some interesting social ideas. If anybody wants to work on them, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. Awesome. And, uh, you mentioned Venmo. I've been wanting just in the realm of consumer social ideas. I've been wanting someone to build sort of the Venmo feed as a, its own standalone product, Twitter for, for money. What do you guys think of that idea? Do you think that will be a, a significant product at some point? Facebook tried it Did they, what, what? with Beacon. Uh, yeah. Was there another one called Snaply or something? Yeah, there there were a bunch of people that tried the, it. I think Venmo is the feed, yeah. right? I think you know maybe Square can try to do a feed, right? But talk to me about this like need that you have. Yeah, <laughs> just track what everyone's spending. I think it's more along the lines of so AngelList created a profile around and identity around and status around angel investing that didn't really exist before because not that many people were angel investing, and I think as you know, micropayments become a thing, it becomes easier to, you know, invest in people or invest in um, causes, and you will continue to build identities based on what you what you spend and how you use your money. And and like I think, you know, I'm an angel investor here. The companies I support, I think there will be lots of different niche use cases. Like here are the artists I support. Here are the people I believe are going to build the next big thing. Here are the causes, and where you allocate your money is where you allocate your belief and energy and attention. And I think you can build rich profiles and understanding people. Cool. My thoughts on that is where social is going. And I probably said this last time is everything is going vertical. That's like the number one way to build an amazing experience. I don't think that someone's going to come up with this like horizontal, Hey, like connect your Amazon account and build. there's going to be some social features around that. I think that's pretty unrealistic, but I think like, what is the, what is the payment? The payment is a vote of confidence to a thing. So I think like I can imagine like sneakerheads, a sneakerheads community adopting a feed like that, college kids adopting a feed like that, and then it might go horizontal or it might not. Yeah, I think once like you touched on, uh, Eric, is the microtransactions. So kind of like Rally Road, have you seen that? Where seen it's it. like you can buy a piece of a car. Like they yeah. had like this, they sold this Countach. So it was like, I don't know, $675,000 or something like that. And everyone was able to put in whatever they end up selling. So you want a piece of it and like, you want to brag about that. And I think that there's going to be more of that. There's more companies that are trying to do like, Hey, I can't own a Basquiat, but like I own 0.005 for the New York Knicks or something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So you'll definitely have that and that'll be emergent, but I don't think in the current 
personally, I don't think yeah. the current state of transactions allow for like a vertical yeah. thing. But as soon as that happens and that becomes yeah. mainstream, I can I can see your, yeah. your feed for everything. maybe sort of you know decentralize all the things as a, they'll be like fractionalize all the things as a oh I totally believe that yeah or ninety nine point <laughs> boom. <laughs> Dad. Also, one thing before we leave this uh, Venmo tweet uh, yeah, feed thing, it's really fun to look at like the public Venmo feed after like any big sporting event. Oh, really? Or, like, it, it's just people just completely pissed off. Like, oh, that's funny. Like, it's like half of everyone's mad because they just lost money in bets. <laughs> right. Um, that's that or the people that were paying the kicker or something that missed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like people were paying sending on Venmo, money. sending money, and the people were like, like, yo, here's a beer on me. Like, so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's sort of funny. Another cool thing that I've seen with Venmo, uh, which I didn't have in college, and now everyone does, is that it's kind of common for kids to send out like a dollar request to all their friends, yeah. like if they're completely broke. And, you know, they just get in like, I don't know, 50 or 60 bucks and they're get by for the week. But it's like this kind of pay it forward thing. It's like if you have a dollar left over in your Venmo account or whatever, you'll send it to a friend that requests. I don't know. That's kind of an interesting emergent behavior. Like I think we all kind of try to do that, but it's obviously hard to quickly ask all your friends prior to Venmo for a dollar. <laughs> and that's like a cool use case. Yeah. Michael, one of the ideas you were exploring, bot.me, mm-hmm. was basically the, well, as you described the thesis, but that we would all have bots that would communicate to each other. Yeah, sure. We had a product called Batami, where people built out a cartoon avatar and then would like connect the different services. You would connect your YouTube, you connect your Spotify, your Instagram, and then people would be able to talk to it and get responses back. And then you would be able to update the responses so the next person can change it. And it kind of like worked for three days, but like day three retention was like kind of zero and because it's like novel and fun and like people would post it up and it was right at the time of like Saraha so where people were posting like anonymous stuff and this was kind of like a take of that people would post it to their Instagram their Snapchat usually when they're bored like I'm doing homework like hit up my bot and then your phone would like buzz and you would see what it's saying yeah why do you ask I guess, do you think that idea is ahead of its time? Oh, totally. Yeah. I so think, I think all my stuff is ahead of its time, <laughs> to be honest. So it will exist eventually. Yeah. I think that it'll exist. The problem is a lot of the, the APIs that we're using were shut down. So YouTube's API is crap. It's says it does one thing, but it really doesn't do anything. Instagram shut down their stuff. Spotify was going through a change. Now you can kind of do stuff, but it was all the like, to actually make it work where it doesn't feel like work, you know, you need to like plug it in. But I think that maybe we live in a world where, you know, Facebook doesn't own all, all our data. And until then, it'll be really hard to keep it compelling on a daily basis. Even if there's like, even in like uninteresting stuff, like we started doing stuff around like if you would post stuff to Twitter around like what Netflix shows you're watching or all that stuff. And, you know, kids didn't use Twitter that way. So it, they used it in completely different ways that weren't around interests. So at the end of the day, it was like an interest-based network. Do I think it, it has legs? I don't think it has legs in 2019, but I do think that there's something to creating your own avatars. It's just a couple years away. Yeah. Greg, you've been fighting the good fight islands. What have you learned or what have you evolved your thesis on in the last year, perhaps as it relates to messaging and it relates to islands? And then let's zoom out and talk about, you know, what in consumer social has changed in the last year, what has stayed the same, what has, you know, exacerbated, gotten better, et cetera. 
Yeah. So the, the original thesis of islands was group chat is the new social network. It's being verticalized. There's going to be a one for gaming that became discord. There's going to be one for the workforce that became Slack. There's going to be one for college. There was nothing there. Um, so we basically built a Slack for college. When we talked probably a year, year and a half ago, we, we had just launched on a few schools. We had a cool idea. We're like, let's see if this works. Since then, we've launched uh, about 20 schools. And one of the big kind of like things that we learned was people cared about the group chats, but actually they really, really cared about the people in the group chats. So 70% of people put their Instagram and Snapchats on their profiles. And that's like a private network. So Right. So yeah, you open up the app, the way it works is you open up islands, you can, you're at University of Alabama, you see all the different communities and group chats at your school and you can join them and some could be private, you know, it could be like Muslims on campus and, or, you know, but it could be public, um, where anyone could join. And then now what we have is you open up the app and you have this whole new feature, which is nearby people to you, a leaderboard of the most viewed and like profiles sorted by your year a directory of everyone at your school that has islands. So just a lot more about the people. Because that's the thing about building for consumer social is I think you have to think about what do people like doing? You know, people are bored, people are lonely, people are seeking connection. And then, you know, all that's new is old. And that's what I try to, I try to like, from a product perspective, I try to marry the, how people traditionally are with where things are moving and so that's been the big learning for us. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, the big elephant in the room is, is Facebook. How has building a consumer social company in the era of Facebook changed in the last year? You know, gotten easier, gotten harder. Yeah. So Facebook, the big, the big players just got a whole lot busier. That's the good news. The good news is there's a lot of stuff that they're dealing with. So they have less room to move scandals antitrust alt-right this like you name it they're dealing with it that's why i'm actually surprised and i'd love to talk about this with everyone here is that there's never been fewer people working in consumer social than in 2019 right yeah i mean i attribute that to you know the funding environment for that right so people are not willing to take bets or they're willing to take bets up into a certain point but like we touched upon before this, but like there's a new company called Untitled Labs that's started by Roger Dickey who, who raised funds to say, Hey, we don't know what's going to work in, in consumer social. And like most of the times he outlines in his medium post, like everything is like, you know, an accident or just comes up from your learnings trying something else. And then you figure out what's going and then you like, you know, triple down on it. So it's really hard to know right away, like what is the market going to uh, get excited about? So it seems like, you know, He's able to to raise a first round for that. We'll see. You know, hopefully he'll be able to raise a second round. And I think that that's where it comes. There's the the hard place between you know getting a first round and and getting your Series A. Like all that mess in between is is I think why a lot of people stop working on that stuff. Right. I th- I think I think it's a bit of the funding environment. I also think it's has a lot. Well, okay, let's think about it. When did the social network come out? What year was that? The movie or the, the actual, uh, I don't know, like 2009, eight, 10, 10, something like that, eight? That was an amazing movie. People loved that movie. Mainstream, you know, the world loved it. You had millions of people in, you know, young people watch that movie and want to be Mark Zuckerberg. After that, you had a few years of people building a, a shit ton of consumer social stuff. 
Turns out there's nothing harder. Like there's, there's startups, which are really hard. And then you have consumer social, which is like the hardest of the startups. It's so nuanced, so timing based. And I think what you ended up happening is had thousands of companies, hundreds of thousands of people just be discouraged with building consumer social. And then you combine that with how big the big players, the Facebooks of the world got with it just like, oh, I'm not going to start. I'm not even going to start to do anything because like face, you know, Facebook copied, you know, Instagram, for example, copied Snapchat. They're just going to like copy my thing. I still think there's a ton of opportunity in social. In fact, I actually think there's more opportunity now than there was a year ago. So let's talk about that opportunity. Yeah. Like, let's say we were starting a consumer social fund, all three of, like, what would our requests for startups be? Or like, where, what would the white space that we would encourage? Well, I'll, I'll give my, my thesis on consumer social and how to win in 2019. So there's two, there's two vectors. The first vector is building for a vertical network, which I mentioned. Find a community moms. Like Winnie. Winnie. Great, yep. you know, great example. Just like build something amazing for moms. They, they're, you parents. know, they're focused on parents, not just moms. Parents. My bad. Yeah. Dads are parents too. Okay. He's a, yeah. my, Michael's a, he's a dad. So. <laughs> I'm a dad. Yes. So focus on, you know, parents or, you know, esports gamers or whatever and build an amazing experience there. And then the second thing is how can you build a five to 10 X faster way to communicate? So for example, like snap, Snapchat back in the day was, you know, you open up the camera, you can send a photo or video a really fast way to your friends. That was a huge, huge innovation. So, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I think a, a big, you know, I look up to a company like Discord, which is a vertical network, and it's like the fastest way to communicate with your gamer friends. So they like, no wonder they're killing it now. Um, so I think that for anyone who's listening, I think that like, that's a really good framework for how to like, think about how to come up with an idea for a consumer social thing. Um, the unfortunate thing is coming up with a five to 10 X faster version of doing something in 2019 is a lot harder than it was in when mobile phones came out, for example, because a lot of it's been mapped out. So it is harder. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, one thing that I guess to be cognizant of would be for us as our fund that we're, you know, fictitiously creating, um, is that the, the current platforms have been pretty well strung out. Um, we've seen, our imaginations requires more and more imaginative properties and ideas in order to create something new and novel. And then when you get to that point, I mean, and to try to, to do it in a way that you can't be copied and you have defensibility in a moat is, is tricky with an existing platform. Um, new platforms, I think, always catalyze new ideas that you can use things in a new way. I think that blockchain will be an interesting one. Like as soon as the infrastructure is in place a little bit better to actually just build like a usable product, I think that we'll see a few consumer apps that take advantage of that. So let's talk about a few different platforms and platform shifts and what types of companies could be built on top of that. So you're building sort of the infrastructure for people to build consumer apps. What sort of new types of companies or new types of behaviors could be built? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, with with Bitsky, we're effectively providing a core like component infrastructure, basically the wallet, which is a hundred percent requirement for anyone interacting with any product that uses blockchain. We're making that very easy, but the type of products that we expect to use that are any sort of product that wants mainstream adoption. So it doesn't necessarily have to be consumer social. I think first example, uh, games are going to be a very interesting use case. 
the idea, the amount of time that you, you put into uh, a game, you don't want that work to be completely lost. If you can somehow like get value on the assets that you either earn or pay for and have liquidity with those things, it sort of changes the dynamic of how you play a game. And then on the other side, like consumer products, I mean, there's some pretty cool ideas. Like, and if you look at all the, let's, let's say like crypto companies or experiments that are out now, they're just a few kind of like stops away from an actual like consumer approachable idea. Veil is a really cool uh, product for creating prediction markets. So who will, you want to create a market around like who will win the Super Bowl? And, you know, you, you bet like a hundred dollars or something like that. And then, you know, at the end you, you, you get what you earn, but. I think that'd be an interesting consumer play at some point. Like if you had like Robin Hood for just random things you wanted to bet on your friends, like, uh, like I bet that like Uber will IPO by, you know, this month. Like if I could just go through and like peruse like the things that I'm betting on that aren't necessarily stocks, uh, but are just like activities or ideas. I think that's a fun consumer idea that really hasn't existed before blockchain. I'd like to bring something up to, to all of you guys. Because you mentioned consumer games as like a separate category than consumer social. Yeah. And up until now, they've been separate. It's consumer social and consumer games. To me, it's like that they're the, they're essentially the same thing. If you think about it, obviously Galper can speak to this about Fortnite being a, a place where people like to hang out and communicate and they're almost like using it as mostly social, less so gaming. Yeah. So one of the things that didn't take off. It started taking off when we last spoke, but kind of blew up over 2018 was Fortnite. And, you know, many people have written about this already, but basically the behavior of most gamers is you go hang out at Fortnite. Like you're going, that's the place where you're going. So we, it's the mall. Yeah, exactly. And you happen to be doing these other things like knocking down trees or, you know, killing people or flying planes or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, you're just talking to your friends or talking to people that you met through the game, random people. And you're just like, oh, did you hear what Kanye said? Or did you watch that YouTube video? And what's fascinating when you watch people play teenagers or tweens, like play Fortnite, they're also on House Party. They're also on Instagram. They're like doing like three different things. They're chatting with their friends. They're not... may not even be playing the same game as their friends, but they have their video chat on and they're like live streaming with each other while they're playing. So it's like basically the equivalent of going to an arcade, but in the comfort of your own home. And then Fortnite made a killing on that, selling digital goods, you know, of making people look cool in the game. Like the thing is, is that, you know, I know, you know, many kids who just like will spend like their parents' money on, on all this stuff and like they suck at the game. It's not like, the game is is secondary. It's just like hanging out with your friends, wearing cool avatars, and shooting the shit after school. Yeah, my my prediction is that the Fortnites of the world are going to be adding more and more social layers, so they're going to look more and more like consumer social, and the consumer social companies are going to be add more and more gaming layers and look more and more like consumer games. So, for example, you mentioned House Party. House Party last week or the week after, a week before, added Heads Up, the game. Which is like the number one mobile app game mm-hmm. that Ellen DeGeneres It couldn't be sells. a more mainstream game to yeah. add. It was a great idea. So great idea, great execution. So what is House Party now? Is it a game or is it a social app? I mean, it's a place. Place. Right? And that's what consumer social, the dream of consumer social has always been. I think about islands, right? Like islands, we literally call their places, like physically, yeah. we think of them as physical places. 
So going back to our fund idea, would we be looking for someone to build the next Fortnite or is that sort of a well-trodden path? I mean, the thing about the next Fortnite is Fortnite was working on Fortnite for seven years. Fortnite was like kind of a failure until it wasn't. And that like at anything, they ripped off PUBG and added a, you know, a better Royale element to their game and that took off. But, you know, Epic, the parent company, they own Unreal Engine and they own like they just announced they're going to go to talk what what Greg said of like gaming being like being more social is like Epic announced third party API that they're going to allow uh, offer to all games. So starting from day one, if you're a game developer, you don't need to build matchmaking. You don't need to build voice chat. You don't need to build any of this stuff because they already built it out. You don't need to deal with the servers. Like They are going to just give it to you for free. That's going to change the market in 2019 where all these games are now like basically like Fortnite ready where they're on every single platform and people are already hanging out. Now the question is, how does that you know play with Discord? How does that play with you know other stuff that's happening in the market? Time will tell, but I think that games are still a huge production cost and a huge bet that you have to play. But now Epic's kind of like lowering that even more. So, you know, maybe two to three years out, totally. But yeah. Talk about new platforms. What would our thesis be on voice? We have a a friend, Alex Ma, who has a company called TTYL, which is basically building a, uh, I guess, a social network on top of AirPods. So I think... You know, you walk around any major city or even a college campus and, you know, so many people have these AirPods built in. It's like, what can you build on top of it? Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. I keep telling Greg to put voice into islands. But just from my experience with, you know, being deep in the sort of Fortnite world and, and Discord, like people are using voice in different ways. It's kind of funny because no one will ever like pick up the phone to call people because that feels weird but people will will voice in the game or you know when they're playing a game they're using voice so i think there's a voice play i think that as it becomes more mainstream of like airpods in at all times for people uh you know kind of you have this like her kind of world i think there's a play for voice i think i have a couple ideas around voice they're not fully baked yet to talk about but but i think that there's there's definitely a play in how people interact with voice right. channels. But the thing that's so super fascinating is like people in different parts of the world use voice every day, like send voice messages every day because it's easier than to type just culturally. In it's their not, language. It might yeah, be. exactly. And culturally in the US, it's not necessarily there. I specifically focus on, on US stuff, but voice is huge, like all over. You put me onto the idea that a Twitter for audio will become a huge company. Maybe it's Anchor, maybe it's not. Yeah. But um, unpack that idea. And where, where is that going to become big soon? Is it going to become big Twitter for audio? I think it's less of Twitter for audio. I mean, the hybrid is is more around being able to tap into conversations. I think, like, right now, there's no reason why it's just, you know, a couple of us in this room. If someone else has something interesting to add or ask or, you know, it should be more interactive. So I have this kind of thesis of, we're moving into like an always on world. And what does that look like? So like discord channels are like always on voice, but you're, you know, discord is kind of hard to use or it's pigeonholed into gaming. You know, what would that look like if it was different sound bites or, you know, yeah. 
the other thing to really try to figure out is like, what is the appropriate like content medium? If it's like a Twitter for voice, um, how much am I supposed to say? What are the limits to that? Because while I can quickly, I mean, I can just, you know, pontificate for like, you know, five minutes or something. Nobody wants to listen to me ramble for five minutes. And then, well, I don't think so. And Way to sell this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but the idea of like going through a feed of a bunch of random thoughts, it's actually kind of crazy that we do that with Twitter, to be honest. Like it's, it's a little nuts. Like you're just like context switching. I mean, it's cause you're info, like you're an infovore and like you care about like the new information. Right. Oh, I, I used almost exclusively Twitter lists just because it's easier. Fancy. I only use it in TweetBot because Twitter proper doesn't support it very well. Just to maybe answer a little bit, I think that Twitter for audio kind of looks like talk radio. Yeah. People who are commuting to work or they're walking to class or whatever, they're just time, like stepping into the stream. They're listening to the conversation, what's going on. If it's interesting, cool. If not, there's other topics to talk about. And it kind of works well in, you know, this asynchronous world of like, who wants to talk about this Netflix show that came out two seconds ago, you know, and, and, and that's possible in that world. Cause I don't think like I called Jack out on this cause I don't know, I was feeling a little saucy, but he was like, Oh, conversations rule the world. And he thinks that Twitter is like about conversations and it's not like Twitter is about broadcasting stuff and, and there needs to be a place of conversations. Not saying that talk radio is anchor's not that place either, right? Anchor's a, anchor is changing the podcasting market by flooding it with more and like better content. I think that they've since position, like change, shift their positioning around snippets to be like a full on production studio from my understanding. If anyone were to build it, I think they have the best opportunity. But then I'm not in the podcast world. Like, I don't know. How, like, do most podcasts suck except this one where they need to be edited? And like, if it was just a stream of consciousness, it would kind of suck. That's a big question, but they would know. Yeah. And so you're hoping TTYL can. Oh, I don't know. I mean, they're definitely onto something. I don't think they've hit it yet because it's any time there's new behavior. It like, it isn't a thing until it's a thing. So, so there's a lot of chiseling. There's a lot of product iteration, you know, like, you know, they've sent out like a thousand updates on their, you know, 1.0 or something like that. Cause like, that's what it takes, right? You, it, it kind of takes a lot of, a lot of time to. I think we, we talked about this on this podcast over a year ago, the TBH, like 16 different, 16 different products, yeah. let alone iterations to figure something out. So zooming out, let's just get into prediction time. The next unicorn and consumer social, I'll separate it to two buckets. Where will it, where will it come from from companies that exist today that have been formed already? And then where will it come from from companies that will have formed tomorrow or after tomorrow? Well, for the record, there's not that many consumer social companies. Like, can we list out 10 consumer? Like, I only know, like, you're counting like test flights, maybe like 12. Yeah. Like Tinder, Discord, Pinterest. Those are all billion dollar companies. You know, early stage. I'm talking about like, what are some early stage? interesting consumer social apps i mean we're in Winnie silicon valley Islands. right the cradle of innovation yeah. as they call it right mm-hmm. and they and, you know, as, as they call it as history calls it and you know i just uh, you know we're in the center of it and you know it comes to us and I, I talk about if you follow me on twitter at greg eisenberg you will you will hear me talking about consumer social communities vertical networks all day long so people reach out to me and what do they say greg <laughs> They're just like, thank you for like still believing in a world where there's n- no believers in a mm-hmm. world where like 
everyone's like, Facebook's going to copy you and the VCs aren't going to fund you and a string of no's and it's, you have no monetization path and this is your side job. And so to, to go through the top <laughs> categories, I appreciate your, your, uh, you're and fighting rant, a good and rant. He's the coach yeah. Carter. Fight, of, uh, fight, fighting a good fight. <laughs> so what's interesting is they, the app store dynamics is like Apple's promoting. I'm looking at the app store right now. Top categories, AR apps, kids apps, photo and video, health and fitness, productivity, shopping. Those are the top categories. If you go into social networking, you have apps we love, GroupMe, you know, OG, Hootsuite, they're like LinkedIn, Buffer, Kickstarter, MapIn, Meetup, Twitter, Linky for Twitter and Mastodon. Those are like kind of productivity stuff. New stuff. So there's a new new contender on place, which is Squad. So it's like house party, but with the ability to share your screen. Uh, iOS now lets you stream your screen. Great, great app. I had dinner with her last night. Yeah, it's a great app. Yeah. I think that the the problem with this kind of app is that it's, you know, it's one feature away from what Instagram already has. Right. Like, well, has there been a precedent for any? Pre- I mean, because we a little bit with this riff, we found this as well. Like, has there been a precedent for a social consumer company to become successful when it was just a small iterative feature on like an overall ecosystem or platform? I don't know. I'll, I'll, versus like a new and novel thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like the idea of like just like adding screen sharing right. to like like any and any sort of is there any precedent where something like that like parallel to that has been has has worked? Maybe Discord. Maybe Discord because it kind of just slightly tweaked Slack, but I don't know. But I would say more people use it for their audio stuff than for their Slack features. But yeah. So then 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 the other thing that we haven't talked about is TikTok. Oh yeah. So TikTok's being promoted. Oh, and the other thing is that is Sticker Pop, which is out in LA, and then House Party gets featured. So those are the featured ones. So TikTok is probably spending more money than anyone else to advertise their app and like basically make it mainstream. They're paying celebrities, they're paying every billboard in every major city. You know, some people were saying they're spending upwards of like a million dollars a day, and they like raised a shit ton of money. TikTok bought Musically. That's what last spoke or ByteDance, the parent company. They rebranded to tiktok is that that i don't think that's a consumer app it's you know competing with youtube and it's you know for people who don't know it's like vine you know videos these are 15 seconds long i think what do you, do you guys have any opinions about that about tiktok specifically i mean i think i think that we've always wanted a place that we could just share quippy creative videos in like a broadcast way instagram was never that snapchat was never really that i mean you could do it to a to a it wasn't it wasn't quite the same sort of creative liberties that you get with uh TikTok. So musically was always interesting to me because a lot of like for the longest time, like a lot of things weren't people dancing to music. It was just like they needed a place to be able to share like a ten minute video. And then, you know, there was a bunch of fun like hashtags like ask a question or like all like different meme hashtags. And I think that, that carried over well to TikTok. I think primarily like Vine filled a void or filled a filled like a need that, you know, when it disappeared, there was still that desire, that need to share that type of content. And I think TikTok is doing a, doing a great job. I think like, you know, two years from now, even now, it almost feels like the music feature is secondary. It's just like it's, it happens to be a part of it. So that's, I mean, and I think that's also the kind of the interesting thing about emerging behavior. You never really know. It goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier. You never really know where that's going to come from. That's like the tricky thing and the valuable thing about emerging behavior. If you can, if you can somehow corner that down, then you can build successful products. And 
I don't, I don't know. I don't have very intimate knowledge of how things transpired between the musically acquisition, but there are clearly things that were happening on musically where, uh, it was, there was emergent behavior that appeared that the products r- responded to. I mean, challenges. Cha- yeah. So when we see, yeah, we, no, we, that's what the, it was. It was that you would challenge someone to like, do, oh, yeah, do yeah. a certain thing. Right. Uh, it would be a song like, Hey, lip dub to this one. And then Snapchat this is like the first feature that Snapchat copied. Finally, which was they're starting to run their own challenges. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and then but you also saw precedent with this with uh, Twitter, the retweet, the the hashtag, uh, the tweet storm, which is it's kind of crazy. The tweet storm came so late in like yeah. like for Twitter, it's weird that it didn't get popularized until I don't know, it's 2012, 13. But uh, yeah, like the thing, I, I don't know. I think that that's like that's the fire that you need to capture for any social product is that emerging behavior. And uh, so, I mean, in a in a perfect world, you you, you create it. You create an environment where there's potential for serendipity and new emergent behaviors, and you keep it like a hawk eye on it. And the minute you spot it, you double down on it. I'll give you two potential proposals for what companies exist today that could be unicorn. HQ Trivia, which we haven't talked about yet, and it's called Brud. Trevor Skeet's company. Oh yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on those two companies in the broader space that they represent? I mean, well, you know, what's interesting is like the fact that like I think about uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, and they have such a long runtime. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why. There was nothing else going on at the time when it first came out. It's ingrained in a behavior like dinner time. That's when you watch Jeopardy, right? Like, and it was just baked in. Yeah, there was nothing else going on, and now there's like. There's no way a Jeopardy could launch today because you have so many other things going on in your phone. There's no scheduled time for anything. Right. And we spoke about this last time, which was like that HQ brought this novel thing of like, hey, at this time – and I still think there's a place to to even expand more around scheduled social interactions. And I think that they've, they're trying with other games. But they've said themselves like games are a hit-driven business. They right. are building out the infrastructure to like – test and iterate in more games the question is can you, you get know, another hit yeah yeah can you get another hit so i just remember it being incredibly cool incredibly novel experience like the, the intertwining of the video and the in the ui but yeah that is people don't come for that they come for the 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 outcome that they get from that the experience and once that either dries up or uh yeah someone just doesn't like it anymore yeah then it's ben thompson once called it the gingerbread strategy you have to keep reinventing like running you know right right Brud, on the other hand, uh, for the guys that don't know or folks that don't know, is uh, the company behind the star Lil Michaela, the CGI character on Instagram. I think it's incredibly clever. I think the idea of from an entertainment perspective, it's it's interesting. Talent isn't talent until it is, and then when it is, it just becomes quick, like harder and harder to scale and uh, more and more expensive. But the reality is, there's an entire infrastructure around talent. Um, whether it's agencies or managers or promoters or brand partnerships. And all of those things can still exist with digital talent, which I think is pretty remarkable. And you think about like the, the, the huge challenge for really scaling ideas and personalities and brands. It really comes down to the human involvement. And I just think, I think that it's, I think it's a very clever business. I think that our very clever idea. I think that the, the potential that they have to, Somebody, somebody did it, posted an Instagram story and he was like walking around. He was trying to order some sandwich and he was like, it was all, you know, like candid feeling. And he's like, they're out of sandwiches. And he's like, you know, that last one. And he like points to the outside patio and it's like, Lil Michaela, like, like 
texting on her phone and eating the last sandwich. And it's like this weird sort of like AR that felt completely normal. Like it didn't even feel weird. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah Loma Kayla's over there. Like it might, my, my, it like breaks my brain. And when I like, but I'm, I'm completely okay with it. And so I think to the, you know, we're going to continue to have all these experiences via digital screen and whether it's, whether that becomes AR glasses in the near future or not. But the idea of having this sort of digital personified uh, representation of brand culture identity is something that's going to be incredibly, like, it's, it's going to be intertwined into our life and it's going to feel very normal. I mean, even you remember as kids, we watched those stupid bears at the Chuck E. Cheese, that band, the California raisins, like all of these things, like, didn't feel weird at the time. I never was like, oh, it's just an animatronic bear. I'm like, I'm dancing and eating pizza. And so now it just becomes so much like more clever than an animatronic bear. That, right. Like as an adult, I'm totally okay with it. So zooming out, what does the next unicorn in, in consumer social look like? Does it look like a CAA for digital celebrities? Does it look like a voice powered social network? Does it look like some AR or VR world? What, what, uh, what's your bet? Besides islands, of course. I mean, besides islands, going back to your question, HQ thought my personal thoughts are, I think a Snapchat discover for interactive experiences that are time-based games probably will be a thing. It's the fastest way to experience that. Like even if Snapchat does do that, it's going to be swipes away. And even if Instagram does do, does do that, it's going to be swipes away. Is HQ the company to do it? They definitely have a head start. I don't know if they end up figuring it out. But I, I hope they do um, because they've done a really good job so far. The whole like little Michaela stuff for me is like it's interesting and I, I I see it as a, you know, it will be a big business, but less interesting. Like for me, it's not really consumer social. Like, you know, consumer social is a place. This is a person, quote unquote, a person in a place. So, you know, where where's the next, you know, unicorn going to be? It's going to be. It's going to be someone who, you know, I hate to sound repetitive, but it's going to be someone who picks a vertical and just goes super deep on it and monetizes it early. Like I look up to like Visco Cam. You guys know Visco Cam? Yeah. yeah. So great company. You know, it's a very similar product to Instagram, but you know, it's has a unique audience and they make tons of money on their subscription i think they charge eight dollars a month for pro features um so and i think does winnie charge as well or it's free anyways there's going to be a lot of examples of like build a consumer social app pick a vertical see how power users use it throw on a monthly subscription and what are let's go give examples of verticals we give parents we give gamers Literally, like comic book people, right. people into board games, right. engineers. Yeah, I mean, I think some people who like Italian food. I looked right. at Donnie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, not Italian. I think, I think two that are interesting, or a few that are interesting, are like fitness and health. There has been a, I don't know, the list of the amount of like social fitness apps that have tried to exist. I absolutely think there's something there. I think the closest that I've seen so far is the passive sort of acknowledgements I get in an Apple Watch when my friends complete a, like complete a workout. Like I don't always they or when I can when I complete one, I don't always give them a little nod even though it prompts me, but I do sometimes and I get them and it's always like a nice thing. And so um maybe that's it. I doubt it. I think that there's something very interesting there. I just, I just don't know what that looks like, but where you basically I mean where it the social aspect of that inherently like makes you work harder. It makes you it makes you do what you're doing better. 
And I think that's for a positive change. I think that could be some of the downfall of existing social networks. So it makes you do certain things that aren't necessarily positive, yeah. net positive for you as a human. So, uh, same thing with like health with, I mean, the idea is like getting the data and like, like, or like, sorry, like eating food, like, you know, how do I track this and what, what, what components of that would be social. But I do think that there's something there too. Like we, I mean, hopefully more than just sharing, you know, beautiful dishes on Instagram of existing verticals. I think that those have high potential. Yeah. I've gone crazy on Twitter the last few months. Super active. You don't say. (laughs) I've I've noticed. (laughs) Because I've been basically crowdsourcing ideas, asking questions and building on those questions um, and getting answers to those questions and having conversations, even though most people use it in broadcast format. I try to use it in conversation format. And because I'm fascinated by like global brain, basically how do we get more people thinking about the same, same, same questions. And that doesn't exist on like Facebook is more, I think more of a directory, you know, snap WhatsApp islands, more of like messaging within that directory. But how do you target or create structure for that, for people to help each other in unique ways? And you just mentioned around fitness. I wonder if there are other ways where people can more closely collaborate among like very specific problems or opportunities in something that they wouldn't do organically like on a whatsapp or islands well it's pretty honestly the beauty of that's the beauty of a vertical is like we did some surveys recently around like oh what is islands and they and people i we heard like this one girl say it's it's for freaks like me (laughs) and then it got me thinking like there's fitness freaks like me there's comic book freaks like me there's all these freaks like me the beauty is if you come up if you build software to, that markets it to a particular community, that's a real community and there's a real need. There's ways to get them in. And then if you build community, you will monetize that community. Right. But will, will you, will you, will you monetize in a venture backable way? You will with games, but will you with comic books or will you with, you know, I think there's a lot of still unknowns around monetization. I think that US specifically, it's hard to monetize. Sorry, it hasn't been part of the normal behavior uh, as opposed to in Japan or China or Korea even like where people are paying for podcasts or audiobooks or all that stuff. Um, like someone said, like podcasts were like kind of like a trillion dollar industry. Right. Like, and it's like, yeah, yeah no, one's, yeah, exactly. But that's because people are paying like tips. We still don't have that in our culture. Maybe that happens with like uh, streamers. Fa- streamers yeah, yeah but even so like it's still like it's not a long tail thing i agree i agree that it's unknown but our job is to like that's why we're building stuff to that's the whole that's what is a startup a startup is a bunch of unknowns that you're trying to get to knowns yeah. in the fastest amount of time before you run out of money so i think like yes all the social networks right now, the major ones at least are ad-driven ones. There's examples of like monetization. There's like the Visco here. There's like obviously dating is, you know, so many people pay for a subscription to dating. But yeah, in social communities, there's it's, there's definitely a lot of unknowns. Yeah. And I think that there's going to be uh, kind of to Galpert's point, uh, there's going to be a lot of potential for monetization if there's a cultural change. Like we've taken so much for granted now. That, like the freeness of all of the services we use primarily because they're ad driven are people at a stage where they're willing to not see ads and to start paying for things. I think that that's a, I think maybe, maybe if you make something interesting and, and, and like enough, um, like the idea of paying for podcast, we'd, we'd rather just listen or fast forward through a few ads. Don't, uh, there's, is there ads on this one? I don't think so. No ads. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 
Perfect. This <laughs> podcast brought to you by Islands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And Bitsky. But yeah, so I, I think that, I think that the, the monetization will probably come around like a cultural change. I think that that's important. Like, how do we, how do we convey value? How did, how did other countries convey value to a podcast where we think it should be free all the time? That, you know, maybe that's symptomatic of our, you know, grow fast culture that at any cost, let's scale, let's scale, let's scale. And now like we've, we've given all these people like this experience that we can't handicap. They're not going to want to, they're not going to want to take it back. I don't know. So it's, I think there's probably some systemic changes that might need to happen for different monetization strategies. I have no idea how to do right. that, but. Right. I mean, like Discord as an example is trying now with their store. They offered a product that used to be for pay, which is audio chat. They offered it for free and they had to figure out a monetization strategy. They launched their own store where they're distributing games. So that's like a new way to potentially make money, but time will tell if, if that works out. Right. Also, as far as monetization goes, Fortnite was relatively interesting too. There's other games that are free to play and you just buy things, but a lot of, I'm sure there's other games that are like this too. Where everything you buy is effectively like adds no value, like adds no advantage. It's just purely cosmetic. That's a, that's a pretty interesting model that we just haven't seen yet. Like even Snapchat, like in their S1, I remember that they, when they wrote about why they, they originally tried to charge for the filters and nobody ever bought them. And maybe it's just because you're in a different state of mind, but like, like if you, like in a, if you look at it like very, like objectively, you're like, oh, this person wants to in Fortnite represent themselves looking like this. And in Snapchat, they would also want to represent themselves looking like this in a filter. Like why would they pay for one and not the other? Um, so it's, it's I think it's because it's their credit cards not, t- or their parents' credit cards not tied on their phone versus on Xbox or PlayStation or something like that. It's already on so they're buying those credits Interesting. and then they're just ding so it's like going back to like what's the removing the friction and right now we don't have as apple pay as close as it is as it is right now it's still a lot of friction to just make that transaction right so we'll see over time like you know back in the day big japanese telecom was selling like ringtones and all that stuff because it was just part of your phone bill right we never had that yeah talking about new behaviors that, that will exist one I'm curious about is is people discovery and people matching. There was this someone in this popular tweet of like, you don't just go to the local library and pick the book right next to you to read. You go to Amazon. There's all these recommendations, and you see what other people read. But for people, we sort of do that. Um, you know, who's our roommate, college dorm, etc. And Twitter, you sort of do it somewhat accidentally. But as more information about us comes online, will we make better matches as it relates to who we should work with, who we should be friends with, who we'd be most compatible with, dating capacity. I think directories everywhere are about to be reinvented. So initially the internet, I mean, well, Facebook basically popularized the directory. And I think what's about to happen is we've spent the last 10 years in social creating a bunch of content in a bunch of different places. And I think what's going to happen is LinkedIn, for example, I think could be modernized a lot. Um, and I think there's going to be more a, a, a more modern directory you know they might innovate on it they might not there might be a startup that comes in and just modernizes directory and then add social layers on top of it and i think like you know i was talking about this earlier i think that people care about what who's around them both professionally both interest-based both family everything and i think there's a huge huge opportunity for people to uh to map out those directories and i think i don't think it's been mapped out yet because like even on Twitter, like I go to someone's profile, I don't really have a good idea of who they are. Uh, you know, I have a, a bio, maybe it could be like 
pretty vague. I have a you know hometown. I have some tweets, but who am I really looking at? Right. And the challenge is what are the incentives for that content creation? Because that really shapes the perception that you can get of somebody online that might like, I think that that might be one of the biggest challenges is that it's, it almost feels inhumane to purely judge someone based on the content that they have online because we are in an area right now where Instagram, you, you do it for you like, you know, nobody puts grumpy things on Instagram that often. Um, I mean, sometimes, but you know, just the reason that the reason that you post is you want to share like this exciting thing or this happy thing, or if it's a book you read on Goodreads, like this is a, not all the books that you didn't finish or, you know what I mean? And so I think until we get a realistic mirror of who we are in real life, like online, I think it would be a tricky thing to do, but full, full transparency. I've only thought about it for like three minutes. So, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of data exhaust right now, yeah. and I think people are going to utilize that data exhaust. What are you thinking, Eric? What are you... Well, I think I think there's a few ways you're going to see it. So one is, I wonder if there will be like the more information you give, the better they can match you with people who you're most. You know, you might exaggerate, <laughs> um, right. but still, I think you'll we can entice people to give more information. I wonder if things like I mean, people have hated this idea for so long, but like a Yelp for people in a way in which it's like mostly positive or all positive things. So I know nothing about Bumble business. I think they were trying to do that where they're trying to connect you with people that was not for a hookup. There's like, yeah, to connect. But it's not the mindset. You're not in the mindset. Right. So do they learn anything? Was there anything? Is that still going on? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know what the, maybe it's like people moving to new cities. I mean, people, a lot of people are looking, looking to meet people. Weave was a thing, like, you know, Tinder for networking. Then Lunch Club is now, with, you know, trying to be a thing. And that's sort of a new iteration. I think someone's going to crack. I think it comes down to the, the frequency that that behavior happens. And I'm not bullish on it because it doesn't happen on a daily basis. And it might happen like how often you're going to move or how often you're looking for a roommate or all that stuff that happens so frequently to have a consistent behavior. But I do think that we're going to have a comeback of some sort where people will produce more content in a way to attract. And I think that's what Instagram is, right? Like you're trying to show off like the, your best self, which has its own problems where, but to some extent, when people first meet you, they're like, Hey, what's your Instagram? Like maybe for if you're tech dark, it's like, hey, what's your Twitter? But yeah. but most of the time, like that's how people are sizing you up. Yep. You know what the funny thing is? I look at other people's Instagrams, even my own Instagram. It's like I'm looking at the same. Everyone's the same profile. It's like the same like palm beach, trees. Beach, yeah, <laughs> palm trees, beach, you know, or know like shit. <laughs> you know, it's you're on vacation or you're with your family or it's graduation or it's just literally cookie cutter. It's cookie cutter. Is anyone, which is anyone, the best? It's cool, but not. does anyone analyze like public data on Instagram for like common, like, is it like, you know, like plates of chili killies or, you know, 90% users post that or something? I, I don't know. I'm asking. Don't look at me. I don't even like chili killies. Yeah. Just a question. What about, uh, pseudonymous social networks or, uh, location based? Like people have been trying experiments with this for a long time. It no one's really figured it out. So on islands, we have a piece of it, which is anonymous and, when we first launched it, everyone in the industry, including some of my biggest role models and some of like the founders of the internet basically told me that it was a bad idea. And when we launched it, people loved it. And I think one of the reasons they love it is because they weren't getting it in other places. I, I think in a world 2019 where 
Twitter's dealing with health issues. Facebook's dealing with their issues. They're not going to implement, you know, who's nearby you or anonymous features or et cetera, et cetera, or, you know, removing ads like this. This is an opportunity for anyone to, you know, that's why I'm so bullish on like if any people here are listening are, are, are building social apps is implement those types of features. So I'm a big believer that pseudonymy, pseudonymous networks and anonymous networks are going to make a big comeback. And then the question becomes, can they layer on identity? Because I don't believe that an anonymous only or um, an anonymous only, especially a network could really scale. So if you're building a venture back thing, you do need to have identity, in my opinion, at some point. Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at emerging behaviors, speaking of emerging behaviors, like the amount of like you look at Reddit and how most active Reddit users or a lot of them have throwaway accounts should be a feature like that should not be there should not be just throwaway accounts. And I think Twitter should do this, too. Because there's, I think you would get much richer conversations and content. Because sometimes, like, let's, let's just take it to the extreme example. Like, if someone on, uh, like, Ask Reddit or something is like, you know, I, you know, I just found out my wife is cheating on me. What should I do? And if somebody wants to give it an anecdote, like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna be like, hey, it's me, Donnie Dinch. And, uh, but, but, but you would actually get some real valuable content. They, they probably have something really important to share. And so like, I think you should be able to, like, I, I think you in Twitter, for example, should be able to post pseudonymously, pseudonymously as, and your same followers should see it. It'd just be like, I don't know actually who of my people I follow posted wow. that. I think that'd actually be a very cool feature. And I, I think that there's, there's a lot of places where, you know, like the real value in conversation, sometimes it takes, you know, getting to know somebody like just, you know, the, the more times we go out and get coffee and, you know, get a drink and get to know each other, the, the more we're going to open up. But online, you don't really have that luxury. It's like an immediate thing. And so what you can do in replacement, I think, is like give someone – and it could be a privilege that you earn as like a, as a valuable actor of like the community. Have you guys seen Telepath? No. Yes. Mark Bodnick's new thing? What does it do? What does it do? Twitter for smart people? I mean – I mean – I played around with it briefly. It's a more organized Twitter is the best way to describe it. More focused around like ideas. Yeah. Um, and tagging around ideas. No, no character or longer character limit. I think it's longer. Yeah. I think there's a million things that Twitter could do that they haven't done. Um, for example, 2019 is where they're going to be releasing a bunch of new features for first product iterations. I know, but I think I, and I, you know, I, we saw obviously they're doing that, the new messages as opposed, you know, the green bubble and the blue bubble. And that's like, it, it, it definitely feels like little improvements on step functions. And I, I don't see Twitter doing step functions. And there's a, a lot of opportunity to do step functions in the interest graph. So what they're doing, uh, with telepath is a step is looking at Twitter and being like, you know, here's an opportunity to step function it through ideas and structured and structuring it. And I think like, what do I think about it? Yes. Like people should be looking at Twitter and being like mapping out all the different step functions possible and be building all that, trying it because one of them is going to work. And then that could, you know, that company, the help could be right. the new Twitter. I wonder if Twitter will be viewed as like Craigslist, like a decade from now. It's totally unbundled. You know, I don't know if Craigslist, but you know, they definitely, if I'm them, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, they're, it's an amazing company. It's my, probably my favorite social product, to be honest. But I think there's a lot they could do. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to move to our short, long segment. So I'm going to name a company or subspace and what you guys want you to short, long or long, uh, and or tell me what's going to happen to it. 
uh, i.e. sell to Facebook for $50 million. This would be a great product, by the way. Yes. We just touched on a little bit. What, what happens to Twitter? Short, long, what happens? Long, long on Twitter. It's, it's become a linchpin in society. Long as a business? Yeah, absolutely. And does uh, it sell or what happens? Yeah, I think it becomes a part of, over, over time, I think it becomes a part of a larger organization that may not need to monetize that as much. A great example is, well, I don't know if this is a great parallel. It's probably some expert that's listening. Um, but when, uh, Amazon purchased Twitch? No. Well, sure. Twitch. Twitch is a great example. Let's say, actually, let's, let, whatever they're, whenever they launched their music service, that was just a feature to get people to install or to sign up for Amazon Prime. Like, they didn't really care about monetizing that. Not that that's a good, good service or anything. I don't even know if it still exists, but Twitter is, is the type of company where I think its best value is difficult to monetize. Right. Um, and, but it's, it's absolutely become essential. So someone like Apple buys it or? Uh... Who, yeah. Well, I don't know. Cause I, I would imagine somebody who really cares about the data and I don't know that Apple would really put a lot of, Google, they're talking about at some point, right? Yeah, that would, I mean, that, that would make sense. Uh, I, I have no idea, but I think that someone who would get value out of the, uh, like derivative val- like data that it, that you get with that. Yeah, but I, I think that, like, will my kids be using Twitter? Maybe. I don't have any kids yet, by the way. So, <laughs> uh, just to give the scale of time. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Like, the Twitter's a $25 billion company. And you think it's going to go away? Anytime soon? No, 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 no. I don't think it's going to go away. I just think that it's. I think that's going to be tricky for it to continue to have like, like subsequent step functions of monetization. Like I think that that's going to be a real challenge because the value that most people get out of Twitter is like difficult to monetize. I don't think unless they unless they create entirely new products. But when you get to that scale, you either be eaten or you eat other things. I think Facebook's in this situation where you know they haven't built an innovative. Pro- well, they haven't shipped like an innovative consumer facing product. Uh, successfully in, I don't know, 10 years, eight years. I don't know what the last one was. Um, that they, and certainly one that they hadn't acquired. Like Messenger was an acquisition. Instagram was an acquisition. So allocating capital to interesting ideas, I think you, as a, is a business that, that, you know, Twitter or Facebook scale, that's something that you need to be, be able to do. Um, or someone else, you're on the other, you're on the receiving end of that and you get acquired. So what about you? Long, short, Twitter? Oh, I think, I think it's still, the, like the biggest media company. It just remains as a large they're, public company. Yeah. They're not, you know, the largest media company, but like from a media standpoint in terms of shifting, but I think that might topple, like that might topple over and something else takes it. it does, it's not the future. It's definitely, we're in this weird limbo phase of. Like, I guess it'd probably be, we could all agree that like Instagram stunted Twitter's growth type of content that people posted. And I would say less about like, not early Instagram. Early Instagram is basically Visco, but like later Instagram where you just wanted to share something, especially with stories. Like I think if, if, if stories and I guess even Snapchat didn't exist, Twitter probably would have been more popular. I think it, there's, it's just a different type of person who looks at their phone and do they want to look at something pretty or tickle their brain? And like there was like this tweet that was going around that was like, oh yeah, you guys are like so excited about all this new tweets you see, but really you should probably focus on like old classics. Cause it's like the dopamine hit you get from something like intriguing doesn't really do anything the, for the, you. The analogy I'll use on that is Twitter is like listening to a podcast and Instagram is like listening to music. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. That's good. The, uh, snap short, long or what, what happens to it? Snap has, I think this is public, right? 170 million daily active users or something like that. I see at, at the college level and, you know, they use Snap more than text messaging. 
that's a hugely valuable segment. People use a, use it a lot. So I think I'm still long snap, but I think they're dealing with a lot of management troubles and stuff like that. So I, hopefully that gets resolved because the truth is like if Twitter does well and snap does well and even Facebook does well, it's better for the ecosystem. We want these companies to do well. So I'm, I'm rooting. I'm long. I, I have, you know, I have snap shares and so it remains as a large public company. Yeah. It remains as a large public company. It has a tough 19. I think what, what ends up happening, you know, I'm also long Twitter. I think what ends up happening is 2019 Twitter and snap are flat. 2020, you know, the question becomes, does Twitter and snap really invest in new products and new step functions? If they do in 2020, they see the fruit of that labor. Yeah. Is Tinder the last great dating company? I think we're all long Tinder, but is it the last great dating company in the space or is there a new behavior or new? I mean, that's, you think if, if humans are dead, like yeah, in the next think, decade or so. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you assume the next decade, we're going to have some sort of technological shift in the way we communicate with people. Whether we're in VR or AR or whatever, we have glasses, we could see people and that don't exist or holograms or whatever it is. Like, of course, it's going to be a different way to interact with people. And there's a different interact to find like a mate, um, or a hookup, like whatever, you know, like there's always going to be, I think that's at the end of the day, why I think is important to invest in, you know, consumer products is to make it easier for people to connect. And, you know, what, Sometimes the market allows for that and sometimes it doesn't. But to say that this is the last bastion of, you know, great uh, dating, like, no. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the the dating apps kind of go after different flavors of human. Yes. And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder, like, will the the current, like, hookup group that uses Tinder, will they, like, will its Tinder just grow with them? Or we're like hold in place and like a new crop of young people will come into tender. I have no idea. I, I think that like culturally, you can maybe get a cycle or two of, of generations, but beyond that, it gets really tricky. Even things that were like infinitely cool, like MTV, uh, like there's so many platform shifts between now and since, you know, MTV launched and now, like it, it's crazy that it's even like that it even exists anymore. But at the time, it was like an unstoppable force of like the youth. And for, for like a couple of generations, even more youth were like watching it. So, and, and that comes down to branding. Like actually the, the mechanics of Tinder, like I don't know that that will go any way, go anywhere. You might interact differently, like maybe with your eyeballs or something in a pair of AR glasses. But the reality is like that sort of like matchmaking, it's basically, it's, it's, it's basically just a, an, a, an extension of what you're, what's happening in your brain anyway. Like, like that's an innate, like, like I guess an innate behavior that is just being like modernized, right. whatever the medium is you're using. Every every five or so years, there's a new dating champion. So I think there's a huge opportunity right now to completely rethink dating on mobile with a great brand. And you know, a few years ago, I would have told you, ah, dating. You know okay, you're going to be the biggest company in dating. That's Tinder. That's a $4 billion market cap company. Do you really want to be building something that can only be up to $4 billion? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Now, I mean, Tinder is like a, I don't know, you know, 10 or $15 billion company at least. So the, the market share is getting bigger. There's huge opportunity. Not enough people building and dating. Yeah. What's going to be the first big VR, AR company? 
as we already have Niantic, but what was going to be another one? In, in what regard? Like as a consumer social? Yeah, consumer social. I mean, Snapchat's the biggest. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say Snapchat just launched a, a thing where they have interactive ads. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, I followed that, Danny. Maybe. I followed Danny Trin on, yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. D Trin. He Bad gives. He gives. Yeah. Shout out to. Yeah. You put up your phone at the billboard, and the billboard starts being interactive, and it changes every time you pull up your phone. I think they're working in a in a medium that doesn't exist yet, which is like future stuff. And I don't think the phone is the medium for interacting with AR content. And whoever invents the glasses, you know, it's kind of like you were trying to build a mobile app before right. the iPhone. Yeah. You were you had all these cool ideas and it was great, but you were either doing it on SMS or like some WAP website. Like yeah. it's just you need a native environment to have that ar so we don't know there's a bunch of people a really really bunch of smart people working on building out that infrastructure but you know we don't it's not there yet yeah yeah i I also think that bot.me is certainly ahead of its time i think thanks yeah no i mean like probably like a long time but (laughs) (laughs) thanks thanks but uh no the idea of having like you know say we're all wearing ar glasses and idea of having like just aru sitting here dressed like however the fuck you want your AR character to look is a very compelling thing. Like, I think that that would be, I mean, I don't know. Like the thing is, if you really start going down the rabbit hole, it looks like a really dystopian future. But the, I, but I think that, you know, if you look a little bit at like Lil Michaela, like that's really just a like high production value example of what we can democratize for everyone. And uh, so like bought that me example, like if, if there was like a personified like institution that I could look at and communicate with, I think that'd be pretty cool. But I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but Apple is like the best position to do all these social, like a lot of these social features. Yeah. But, but they won't, obviously. So, yeah, totally. I mean, Apple runs the largest social network or messaging app. And, you know, if you talk to anyone at Facebook, the mandate is how do you compete with iMessage? And like, that's the number one competitor, not Twitter, not Snapchat. Not, it's like, iMessage. That's the competitor. And the, the crazy thing is it's not even on Android. It's just dominant like nothing else on Apple devices. Yes, there are, you know, billions of devices, but still it's still um the number one competitor and they'll they'll implement poorly every neat thing. Like an emoji is the coolest shit ever. It's buried in iMessage or in FaceTime and it, you have to get there. It's like 10 clicks, make it a separate app, and that's your new social network. We haven't even talked about Giphy. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, it's the unicorn. That's a big company. Yeah, Giphy's great. Giphy's embedded in you know all the major players. They did a beautiful job getting yep. into Twitter and Instagram and, and Snapchat, and then they have branded content. Where you mentioned this thing about Apple not building... You know, what was really kind of crazy is that when the iPhone came out, Apple just gave us as developers or creative people thinking about things like a bunch of different instruments to build properties with. So whether it's the accelerometer, the camera, the screen, what do you think would be the next like foundational technology that you would want from Apple? Like if you could just add, make anything. Oh, glasses. Okay. Heads up, heads yeah. up view of what you're, you're doing. But yeah, that's from a, that's a, on a, step change of how we interact with the world yep but i just want you know my animoji in, in a one-click button like greg right. was saying and you have you know people are trying that there's face emoji there's like a bunch yep. of different people doing it but 
not at the scale that Apple can, but unfortunately they won't. They're a hardware company and they're not going to put like every social product that they have. Even music has, you know, some social elements to it, but I can't find my friend's playlist or what they're listening to. Like, I'll give you my phone. Try to find it for me. Yeah. Yeah, it just sucks. They make awesome devices and yeah. hopefully one day they get social. To bring this full circle a little bit, at the beginning you mentioned you believe in a world where Facebook doesn't own all of our data. Mm-hmm. What needs to be true for that to, that to be the case? Uh, for people to care about their data? To, or uh, or for someone to disrupt Facebook where we were now moving our data to a different platform. Yeah. Yeah. You would start posting your content elsewhere. I think that's what it comes down to, but it's still like that's the early day blockchain stuff and it's still not there. Infrastructure yeah. is just being built. How many more years of dominance does Facebook have? I don't know, 30? Wow. Like if, a- if AOL had 10 after they, like people were, after AOL was kind of done, the people were still paying, they had like 50 million people paying them for <laughs> dial up. Yeah. Right. Like guaranteed, you know, like my grandparents will die. On the hill that is Facebook. Like, they're not. How about, I would, I'll bet on Instagram. I bet they, do they have an Instagram account yet? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be Instagram. 2050. You get like a hundred pictures like once every month. Yeah. Just start posting. Yeah. Instagram is, is the new Facebook. (laughs) So 2050, Facebook will still be the biggest. But it's okay. It's okay. Cause like Twitter is a $30 billion company, right? So it's all good. Like, Turns out people like taking photos and connecting and sending messages. So like for anyone who's like listening, it's like go build and like f- don't worry about but, Facebook. Yeah. To that end, maybe we'll close on what's a unicorn and consumer social company that hasn't been built yet or doesn't exist today. We talked about dating. I think there's a huge opportunity in dating and there's a good monetization model. And what would your approach be? Think of something very, very unique. So for example, first thing to come to mind, we talked about audio. Yeah. What, a, what about a dating app? That is audio for based on your voice. <laughs> Eisenberg. Uh, love it. Yeah. I love it. E- Earsenberg. <laughs> Yo, you sure you're not a dad? <laughs> I think it's probably around voice with the existing, the existing t- set of tools that we have. I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think there's a whole lot of interesting nuances of how. I don't know. You, like you actually look at games to some extent, kind of what Greg was talking about a little bit earlier. But you get you get audio cues in games all the time, and I think that that could be an interesting component to everyday life. We already have the hardware that's basically non-existent. Like in our, like I I, I forget that I have AirPods in. So I, I definitely think something on voice. I don't know what that looks like, but I think it's more of I think it, it's something initially that probably solves a lot of the minutia of conversation and interaction. But it's something that permeates through almost every one every day. I'll give a couple examples. One is I, I think there'll be a much better Wikipedia or much, like just newer version. I also think that, you know, Cora had this idea of there's information in people's heads that's really valuable that's not on the internet. And I think there'll be multiple valuable companies just based on that premise. One is what people think about each other in a work context. I talked a little bit about Yelp for people, but I think you can make it specifically around who are the best performers, who are underrated, who's not discovered yet. What do people actually think about each other? When we do reference calls, we're, you know, overdoing the same, same conversations over and over again. I think that process can be improved. Oh, so that's, that's like, uh, enterprise stuff. It's, it's work professional. It's, it's still social though. Yeah. Like, I mean, is LinkedIn social? Yeah. <laughs> I think LinkedIn social. It's a place. Business social. I don't think Discord's the end all be all of gaming networks. And I think that there's still not enough social layers for people.
people who play games to interact with with other people who play games. Cool. It's been a fantastic episode. Round two. Maybe we'll do round three next year. You can find Michael at MSG on Twitter. You're heard. At Greg Eisenberg. Go build. At Donnie Dent. At Donnie. Ooh. <laughs> but for okay. real. I.E. Yeah. Great, great, great place to end. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst. <laughs>